All right, I, I had to um, be out of town all week last week, unexpectedly up in Oregon, so I called a, a faithful friend. A week, a week, he had a week's notice, so not a lot of time, but um, Rob Shear um, is going to um, deliver the message this morning. I'm very grateful for Rob and, uh, and Louisa and Will, their family and, and their friendship. Um, if you don't know, I think maybe most of you know, but Rob's a professor at Pepperdine, and so he's investing in a lot of relationships there, um, as well as even in our church family. So uh, I'm grateful for that. Um, one of the things, though, that I, I just have much admiration for and respect for for Rob was his many years of, of service to our country. Um, when I was up in Oregon, I was doing a little bit of research um, on my grandfather, who was a World War II vet. My dad was in Vietnam, and um, the idea of, of serving your country, serving something beyond your own personal interest, that's, that's meaningful, that's impactful. And so um, I'm grateful for that. I was doing a little bit of reading this week, as I said, about vets, and I came across a stat from the, from the VA, and it said that approximately 20 vets a day on average take their own lives, which that's a staggering number. And um, so it, it was a re- reminder for me and for just I'm sharing with you, just that idea again that I say often is that people have struggles in life and, and, um, one of the hardest things to do in life is to share your struggles. And so part of being a, a healthy person, part of being a healthy church, part of being a he- healthy follower of Jesus is being honest about the realities of, of struggles that we carry. And um, uh, you can't do it on your own. You need Jesus and you, you need friends in your life. And so um, um, I'm grateful for, for Rob and his friendship and for his family. So the passage this morning, Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, it's on your bulletin. It says, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, you will, for then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. For, I have, not command, for have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. My prayer, Lord Jesus, is that our, our hearts would be open to listening to you that we would be a church community that is shaped by the word that you have given to us. I pray for humble hearts, hearts that listen, hearts that are open to growing, hearts that are expecting to hear from you, hearts that are hopeful because you are alive, Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, church. Uh, so as Brian said last week, he uh, asked me to speak today, and my first thought, as it always is when Brian asked me that, is, okay, what in the world am I going to talk about? So I took my little dog, Maisie, on a walk that night, 
And after a few minutes of tossing around ideas about different things I could talk about, the idea came to me that maybe, just maybe, I should start, start the process by asking God what he wanted me to speak about today. Um, now, God doesn't always respond to every question that I ask, and he, he certainly doesn't do it immediately. But I did feel that that night that he put two words on my heart to share with the church, and that is to take risks. Now, unfortunately, he didn't give me an outline for the talk. Uh, he didn't give me funny stories. He didn't give me pertinent Bible verses that I could share. But he just gave me those two words, take risks. So what kind of risks should we be taking as a church? What is it that God is calling us to do? Let me throw up the first, first photo. Should we be surfing 40 plus foot waves? Second photo. Should we be climbing El Capitan free solo? In other words, without any ropes to catch us if we fall. Third. Should we be swimming with great white sharks? I'll just let that one sit there for a minute. We, the front right group really kind of likes that. So, so hold on the fourth one. See, I, I don't think God is calling all of us to take these kind of risks. Now, you may if you like, but let me warn you, these risks don't always turn out well. You see, our son Will has recently taken up big wave surfing. And late November of last year, he had a 20-foot wave slap the back of his head, slamming his face into a surfboard. Here's photo number four. And that's what Will looked like after the ER docs cleaned him up a bit. All right. So I don't think God is calling us to take those kind of risks. So if not, what kind of risk is God calling us to take? Well, I think we should be taking risks for God. We should be taking risks that glorify him. We should be taking risks that bring honor to his name. We should be taking risks that advance his kingdom. John Piper recently wrote, by removing eternal risk, Christ calls his people to continual temporal risk. So in other words, since we know that we're going to spend eternity with Christ, there's nothing on earth that we should fear. And we also have historical examples to guide us. And so today I want to share just three of those with you. So first we have Joshua. And Joshua took the risk to lead when he was called. And Joshua, of course, was the man who led the Israelites out of the Sinai into the Holy Land after, the Moses, after Moses died. And this was no small accomplishment. You remember, it was Moses that had led, led the Israelites for all 40 years that they had spent in the Sinai Desert. And so here was Joshua, the new guy. And he's taking charge at a critical moment in history. And also remember that Joshua knew what they were up against because earlier before he died, Moses had sent Joshua and 11 other spies into Canaan to see, just to scope it out and see what they were going to have to deal with. And Joshua and the others had come back and they reported that there were cities that were surrounded by tall walls that were guarded by strong warriors. But listen to what God told Joshua. So this is the 
Joshua 1 passage. So this is the passage that Brian read to us. He said, so only be strong and very courageous. So this is God talking to Joshua right when he's starting off as a leader. Be careful to do according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn to it from the right or from the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So Joshua stepped up, and he took the risk of leading the Israelites into Canaan. He followed God's direction, and he knew that God was going to be with him. And we find the results of Joshua taking this risk a little bit later in the book of Joshua in the 21st chapter. It says, Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to their fathers, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. They all came to pass. And so we learn from Joshua that sometimes it takes courage to take the risks that God wants us to take. So the second example we have is the early church. Now, early Christians risked their jobs, they risked their homes, sometimes even their lives if they were going to follow Christ. You see, the Romans persecuted the early church intermittently for the two centuries after Christ's death and resurrection. And the Roman historian Tacitus wrote the following as a description of Nero's persecution in 64 AD. And this was one of the bloodiest of the persecutions. Tacitus wrote, Christians were clad in the hides of beasts and torn to death by dogs. Others were crucified and others set on fire to serve to illuminate the night when daylight failed. About 10 years earlier, Paul had written the church at Corinth about the struggles that they would face and the persecution as followers of Christ. And he said, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Christ, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. And then later in the same chapter, Paul continues, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So what was the result of the risk that the early church took, these early Christians? Well, many of them ended up giving their lives for the gospel. But those lives changed the world. 
Tertullian, one of Christianity's first apologists, wrote, The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And he may have been correct. Historians estimated that for, at 40 AD, just shortly after, after Christ, there were less than a thousand Christians in the world. But if you jump forward 300 years to about 340 AD, the number was somewhere between 5 to 8 million. You see, the church had grown on average 40% per decade for 30 decades. And the reason for that is it's hard to deny the power of a testimony for which one is willing to die. So we learned from the early church that the risk that God asks us, it may cost us everything, but it's only everything that we have here on earth. The third example, third and final example, we have Mother Teresa. And Mother Teresa risked poverty and deprivation to love, as she called them, the poorest of the poor. Now, she was born in Albania, but she spent most of her adult life caring for the poor in Calcutta, India. And she founded the Missionaries of, of Charity there. And this was an organization that, her, in her own words, would care for the hungry, the naked, the homeless, the crippled, the blind, the lepers, all those people who feel unwanted, unloved, uncared for throughout society. People that have become a burden to the society and are shunned by everyone. You see, Mother Teresa took Christ seriously when he spoke about the poor. In Luke 12, this is what Christ said. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old. With a treasure in the heavens that does not fail where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And in 1979, she was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for her work to overcome poverty. And not surprisingly, she took the $192,000 prize that came with it, and she gave it to the poor in India. But Mother Teresa also struggled with her faith. She often felt that God wasn't near. And she wrote in her diaries one time, where is my faith? Even deep down, there is nothing but emptiness and darkness. If there be God, please forgive me. When I try to raise my thoughts to heaven, there is such convicting emptiness that those very thoughts return like sharp knives and they hurt my soul. You see, Mother Teresa was very much human. She struggled, she doubted, and yet she remained true to her God. She kept taking the risk of loving on the poorest of the poor. And so we, so we learn from Marie, uh, Mother Teresa that the risk of going where God sends us may take us to dark places. It may take us to places where we feel alone and abandoned even when we are not. So what risk should we be taking today? Well, three areas come to my mind. We should be taking risks in our relationships, in our jobs, and in our money. But let me, let me first offer up this caveat. This is an example. Uh, I don't want this to be an example of physician heal yourself. In other words, I'm not taking the risks in my life that I need to be. I rely far more on myself than I do on God. So 
please do not take anything that I'm about to say as if I'm claiming that I've got it right, that I'm doing it correctly, and you just all need to do what I do. Do not do what I do and we'll be good. So first, what risk could we take at our, take at our jobs? Well, the answer to that depends somewhat on where you are in your career. If you're a college student at the precipice of starting a career, are you open to anywhere where God may send you? Or are you fixated on the path that you think that you have to follow? If you're in the middle of a career, are you willing to give up what you've accomplished up to this point in your life and take a risk with God? And what would that look like for you? And I understand having a family, a mortgage, and so many other things makes taking a risk at this time in your life, well, a bit terrifying. But we don't grow closer to God when life is easy. And if you're retired, what are you willing to risk now that maybe you've got a little bit more flexibility and time available to you? You see, I think we're so used to avoiding risks especially when it comes to our faith, that it's become second nature to us. We don't even think about taking risks. So let me suggest you try the following word game. Say to yourself, Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I have eternal life through him, but I'm too afraid to trust him with my career. You see, in light of what Christ has done for us, our fears just don't make any sense. And yet, we allow them to limit us. Second, what risk could we take in our relationships? And I see this in terms of relationships with fellow Christians and also relationships with non-believers. What risks are you willing to take with your relationships with other believers, with the people that are around you here today? Are you willing to hold each other accountable even when it is difficult and uncomfortable to do so? You see, Christianity, it's a team sport. That's what Christ told us in Luke 17. He said, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And that's hard to do. But are you willing to do it? Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to hear it? See, I think many of our problems today in the church, they start in the fact that we've ignored what Christ told us here. We treat our faith as if it's an individual endeavor. Just me and Jesus running. No one else is really helping. And in fact, it's not. And what risk then are you willing to take with non-believers? Are you willing to share the gospel, the supposedly most important part of your life? See, we can't put the burden of preaching the gospel all on Brian. Because Brian preaches to us, the body, believers, you see, it's, us, it's up to us to reach out to those that don't know Christ, our neighbors, our co-workers, and our friends. And so Paul's challenge to the Romans still applies to us today. So in Romans 10, Paul said, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching. So let's try the word game one more time. Say to yourself, Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I have eternal life through him. 
but I'm too afraid to help my brother or my sister in their faith. Or Jesus died on the cross for my sins and I have eternal life through him. But I'm too afraid to share my faith with somebody else who doesn't know Christ. Again, in light of what Christ has done, feeling uncomfortable, having someone look at you as if you're strange, it just doesn't make sense. The fear shouldn't overcome what Christ has done for us. So third, what risk could we take when it comes to our money? Now, if you're a college student and you only have debt right now, you get a pass on this one for now, only for now. But what about the rest of us? Are you willing to give back to God more than you think you can afford? And how do you think God would respond? Because remember what Christ told the young rich man who wanted to know how to get to heaven. And in Matthew 19, Christ said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. You know, I remember a sermon I heard years ago. The pastor was preaching on tithing. And he explained how in the Old Testament, God had told the Israelites that they were to tithe 10% back to him. And the pastor made the argument in light of Matthew 19, the passage we just read, that we shouldn't be content with giving 10%. Rather, we should always be a little uncomfortable with the amount of money that we're giving back to God. In other words, tithing should require a bit of a risk. It should make us more dependent on God. So one last, try, one last time, let's try the word game. Say to yourself, Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, and I have eternal life through him but I'm too afraid to give God more of my money. The same God who gave it to you in the first place. One more time, in light of what Christ has done, I would argue our fears of that risk, they don't make any sense in the light of what Christ has done, in the light of the eternity that we have with him. Remember Piper again said, by removing eternal risk, Christ calls his people to continual temporal risk. So may we be a church that responds to this call. May we be a church that seeks to find risks that we can live out that bring God pleasure. And may we be a church that rests assured in what God has done for us and acts boldly because of what he's done. Let me pray. Father, we we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for the opportunity to worship together, to spend time together. Um, I just ask that you, you push, you encourage all of us to take risks, to bring you glory, to bring us closer to you, and to help spread your, your word. Amen.